Well, Janet Lee, that tell you that reminds me of another song. I've got leaving on my mind. What a absolutely superb performance. I just loved it. Well, what else could I say? <clears throat> and hello, everybody out there. Uh, I am so happy that you're here today. And all of you that are here that are fathers, I want to say happy Father's Day to you. And it's, it's so unique that today the subject of this uh, teaching is my father's house. And in fact, I'm even going to try to sing you a song, but I'm a little bit hoarse. But <clears throat> you know what? I'm not trying to be a crooner. Uh, I just love to sing uh, from my heart because I love things about God and I love things about God's love and I love things about the kingdom and and today the teaching will be about the Father's house and I love that subject. So this subject is about the Father's house and this song that I wrote um, uh, called My Father's House in E minor is um, eventually going to be in concerto form and it will have... Um, uh, it will have, uh, you know, a, a complete and full orchestration uh, with all the various instruments that go along with that type of thing. Uh, but today, it's just me on the piano. All right. My Father's House. written that should be written and all was said that should be said then you you would know your real name when you were once a morning star My father's house is my home My father's house is my home If I forget you if I, if I forget you, then let me forever roam. Far up above the stars of stars, far up in heavens so high, if I forget you if I forget you then let me forever roam 
my father's home is my home. I was flown here from afar. My father's house. My father's house. Is my home forever, evermore? Father, 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 I. I am home. Wakiwani, Wakawani, Suola Mara, Tabarabi, Kuramata, Sebalu. Say, Balu. Say, Balu. Well, that's the song. Needs a lot more work. But you're so nice to have listened. And I thank you. So we're going to proceed with the teaching and the message. And always there a lot to say and a lot to cover. And uh, we just are excited to bring this message. Buckle down, folks, just like you're getting ready to take a ship into space. Because I'm taking you for a trip in a way with this message. And it starts something like this. Dotted disk of the reillions of matter moved in streams of motion within the body of space. The swirl of life was strong and the force of energy prevalent throughout the system. But in the course of time, certain germs developed within the body and consequently many cells of matter began projecting turbulence within the system. So it was. The entities of the terrestrials strove one against another. In the galaxy lake of smoke, a clot of darkness obscured the nebulous light of energy. The germ of sin, the enemy of righteousness, the clot of darkness prevailed to infect the terrestrials. 
the terrestrials of the planet Earth with a deep sickness. Thus the holy angels of the council of God made plans to send saviors from among the teraphim to heal the sickness. Nevertheless, none of the saviors could heal the sickness sufficiently, sufficiently to destroy it. So it was. The Spirit of the Almighty rose up within one, whose name is Yahweh, that he might offer himself by the Father as an antidote for the sickness. In the course of time, after Yahweh had prepared himself for the earthly environment by lower acceleration experiences, the angels counseled how to birth him among the creations as the Messiah Savior. I want to share something with you that I have never shared on the air before on the broadcast. And, uh, and believe me, there are a lot of people that uh, are not familiar, uh, you know, with, with uh, this message, uh, except the few that would have copies of the Holy Manifest, and, um, which is not a book that's available to the public at this time. And it is about the Alpha Ages that preceded the ages of the universes. Many manifold spans of successions ago, there existed worlds. Worlds is verified in the book of Hebrews 11.3. And creations of awesome orders, Isaiah 6.2, Isaiah 46.9 through 10. In that great, great past, there existed dimensions of creations called inner alpha orders, Isaiah 41.4, Revelations 1.8. Those dimensions were so extensively diversified from universal scales, they would appear to address the infinitesimal and the inverse. Hebrews 11.3 Only once in the eternities, only once in the eternities of creation, did the Almighty I Am ever dwell in Am's first presence. Exodus 33.18-23 and Exodus 34.6 among unascendant life forms. This happened during the life forms, or the life spans, rather, of those ultra-dimensional beings of the inner alpha orders. And there's much more to that story. But you have to understand that there are events that happened in the alpha ages that happened before the universes that we now live in existed. So it's all very, very interesting. Now today, I want to take you on a journey. And this journey is, is about the Father's house, which is also called Artura. And that gets confusing sometimes to people because of the star Artura, which is the brightest star in the constellation of the Buotis. The constellation of the Buotis is a very important and interesting constellation because that constellation is about a figure of a man who is called the coming one. And most all theologians that have any background in astronomy recognize that particular depiction in, in the star cast that it is given as being a depiction of Jesus Christ, the coming one. Uh, 
And it is very in- interesting how that the Arturian, the star of our, our, our Arturia, lines up, it has an alignment uh, to uh, other very important connections and finally a very important connection to um, the Father's house in its alignment. Now, there is Urja Major and there is Urja Minor. Uh, th- there was a time in which um, there was a confusion that, that uh, took place in which the, the Greeks um, made some error when they were translating uh, the word and uh, they translated it uh, to be um, a meaning that meant bear, uh, but actually uh, it was from a Hebrew root and it meant sheepfold. And it's very easy uh, easy to show this, very important. In the Urja Major, which is called the big bear there is there is associated with that uh constellation what is called and known as the big dipper that has seven stars in it it has a label ladle a label and a and it has a um you know like a dipper so the ladle and the dipper dipper uh, form this big dipper and um uh, it's very, uh, very, very neat uh, as you look at it in the sky. Now, most people think uh, that the Big Dipper is actually a part of the constellation of Urja Minor or the Big Bear, but actually it is not. Um, it is actually called an, an asterism. And, and the difference is, is that a constellation is uh, has bounds within a certain uh, navigated uh, um, area of descriptive uh, boundaries, and um, the 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 dipper, the big dipper, is not within that boundary. So it is actually not a part of the actual uh, constellation of the Big Bear or of uh, Urja Major. Uh, the 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 big uh, sheepfold, but it very importantly though is associated, and most people when they look at that they consider it one and the same, but it basically is a uh, a pictorial uh, thing that has been written in the skies uh, as a sign, and and it has a message and it's very important. Now then there is a smaller uh, constellation. And this constellation does incorporate, does include the Little Dipper, this part of the constellation. And it also has seven stars. And um, in fact, one of the stars in its um, cup uh, recently has been discovered to have a planet, which makes it pretty obvious that in that constellation, there are planets. We, of course, teach that the constellation includes 
the Father's house planet. <coughs> now it also has a star, which is the brightest star of the constellation, called Polaris. And Polaris is the northern star, and uh, it actually has been discovered in recent astronomy to be a triple star system. In approximately 50,000 years or so, um, it will no longer be visible as it starts moving toward Sagittarius, another huge constellation. It's interesting to me that that rough estimate because when I think in terms of the 70,000 years of, of, of regeneration that has been made available according to the, the um, uh, chapter 90 of the 70 years of Psalms and chapter 105 of Psalms that mentions the thousand generations. So you take the thousand times 70 or the thousand times 80 because it's 70 to 80 years is a living generation. Not a rebirth generation, but a living generation. And you get 70,000 uh, years. And, and when we start talking about like this Polaris, which has always been the, um, the guiding star, the star that, that uh, all people that were on ships or even on land, uh, they were able to, to use uh, to, to guide them uh, in the direction that they were to go. And, and it's really quite uh, simple because as you stand facing Polaris, that you are looking north. And the back of you is, is looking south. And on the one side of you is is uh, west and on the other side of you is is uh, east and um it's something that you don't have to be too advanced to be able to use it to know what direction is what direction anywhere that you might stand or be on a ship at sea and um it is a star that um is the northern star of the planet earth and it's so connected to the earth and the, and the mission on earth and the ministry on earth and the place where the Bible says in chapter 12 of Revelation that there was war in heaven and one-third of the stars, and you had three groups of stars which all represent kinds of angels that came to this galaxy to do creation. You had the, the, the seraphim, the ophanim, and the cherubim. And one-third of them fell, which happened to be the Ophanim, which are all the humans that are upon the earth now. And you can see that story in the 12th chapter, because you see that when you look at it, the stars fall, and suddenly then appears this woman representing the, 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 the people uh, that have fallen on the earth. And she's sort of like the queen of heaven that has fallen, and is down on earth and representing the people. And Satan... Lucifer, Satan, has also fallen. And so he is against um, any salvation uh, to these people because he wants them for witnesses on his side at the great white throne judgment when that day will come, and it will come. And so the story is immensely interesting and incredulously 
a story that fills the mind and the heart. And as we, we come to understand this thing of the message of this Polaris and that it is a star that is the northern star and it is the, it is the star that gives you direction and guess what constellation it comes from and is part of? It is part of Ursia Minor, the Little Dipper constellation, where the Father's house is located. Now, the way it worked is when the three groups of angels came into this galaxy. Some of them went to different locations. Some went to, that, to the Little Dipper area, which happened to be the Ophanims. And that is where they were set up at, called the Father's House. And then you had the, the Pleiades area, where the cherubims went. And you had the Orion area, where the seraphims set up their base. And I explained last week, or the week before, how that sometimes uh, the stars would exchange uh, places for particular ministry, how that the, we showed the Bible scriptures, how that the um, seraphims came and ministered in the uh, cherubimic area of the Pleiades. And then we have the description of the great dragon. And, and these are actual stars in the heavens, and they are talked about in the Bible. Especially that three groups of angels is, is talked about in several places in the Bible, very specifically and, and given a definite uh, indication as being something that was the design of God and the design of a great destiny. And then this great dragon, which Lucifer ends up taking on uh, later, uh, as he becomes Satan, he takes on the, the, the dragon name. Well, interestingly, this dragon is, um, stretches out across vast spaces of the heavens. And it sort of curls around the Ursia Minor, which is where the Little Dipper and the Father's house is. So when the Bible says the tail of the dragon cast down the stars. We specifically have scripture to show us the location of where those stars had been before they were cast down. <clears throat> and before they were moved uh, from, from their destined place. The Bible talks about in the New Testament how that the angels left their first habitation. <clears throat> Now, by leaving their first habitation, uh, they, of course, went out of the well of God. And, and, and uh, they ended up getting over more involved in Lucifer's camp. And just gradually, little by little, Lucifer's influence began to magnify within them. We, we cannot make Lucifer to be something less than he was. He was one of the greatest archangels of these three groups of angels that came into this galaxy. He was one of the most beautiful angels 
He had incredible intelligence. He had incredible capability. And his desire was not to be away from God, but his desire was to be closer to God and to be uh, in a higher position with God. But he didn't follow the rules. He didn't follow the rules of time and patience. He, he wanted to get there when he wanted to get there, which was right away. So he broke the laws of God. Now, when this war took place, these, the tail of the dragon cast one-third of the stars to earth. Those stars were located in the planet and areas around about the Father's house. And they were cast out of there. That left the Father's house basically empty. The only entity that was left, or I should say entities, but actually entity, was the Father. Only the Father was left. Someone said, oh, you mean there was only one person left? Well, when you really get to understanding the heavenly language, you can't really say one person. Because the Father was a, an archangel, and he was co-owned. And there are lit literally multitudes of angels that were co-owned with him, including, we shall say, his son, Jesus Christ, and including the Holy Spirit of God, the ultimate invisible God. And so, he was not alone. We do not have time to configure at this moment, but in the course of, of time, he journeyed to Orion to be with um, the seraphim, and in particularly to be with Michael, archangel of the seraphims. In the meanwhile, when the angels were cast down, before they were cast down, they had flying chariots, they had very advanced ships that could fly faster than the speed of light. Of course, right now there will be some scientists out there and astronomers will say, well, that, there you go right now. Now we know that can't be true because nothing can go faster than the speed of light. That breaks Einstein's code. You don't say. Well, let me explain this something to you, Mr. Astronomer and Mr. Scientist. Einstein was a great man, and I certainly do respect him. And he was brilliant. But Einstein was not God. And Einstein did not ever resolve the problems of the universe that they, the scientists could not configure. And I can tell you that we don't need anybody to tell us that there's any man that has ever lived or will ever live that is smarter than God or wiser than God or more knowledgeable than God. It just won't work for me. 
And I hope it won't work for you either. And so, we have this situation where all of these incredible uh, manuscripts, schematics, charts, and all these ships were left on the planet of the Father's house we call Artura. They were hidden. They were sealed by the angels of the Father after the Ophidim were gone. And they were sealed into a, a mountain of rock. And it was done in such a way you could never tell by looking at it. There was no trace. There was no sign. There was no uh, kind of an evidence available to reveal that in that mountain was where all of this information was hidden. This also included the rings. These were creative rings. And these were rings that that a select person like an archangel or a very high uh, director uh, of creation within the group would wear uh, to, to uh, aid in the creations because these rings were very, very uh, powerful. And there's quite the story about the rings, but that's not for now. Now someone says, well, that sounds like you copied that from somewhere else. Uh, let me tell you that this was written 50 years ago in the Holy Manifest. It was before Star Wars. It was before a lot of these things ever got out of these stories uh, and, and before Enterprise. So you don't need to think that these things were copied from any of those uh, Space Age stories. It was way, way before a lot of that knowledge that was revealed was very advanced scientific knowledge and way, way before any of the kind of information that has now come out and has begun to be known in the scientific and, and in the literal world. And it was spoken of way, way back then and revealed by God. <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. So, we have such an interesting story. It is so beautiful. It is so powerful. Turn with me to um, Isaiah 60. One of the things you must come to realize that when Jesus and the disciples and Paul and the apostles would quote the Old Testament, <clears throat> a lot of times they would refer to scriptures that it looked, you know, to some people like, well, that's, that's not what it's talking about. They just pull that right out of the middle of a story that is talking about, you know, the, the Israelites or talking about someone else. But uh, you know what? That's how it was. Excuse me. That's how it was. That's how it was coded. That's how it was written by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit would come and <clears throat> would, would interwoven it into other things in the Scripture. So that at the same time it was saying one thing that went along in a parallel 
with these stories of Israel or stories of, of, of other kinds. That there would be woven in there a very short verse or two, sometimes longer than that, about a revelation about Jesus Christ or a revelation about the angels. And the people that don't understand that are those that search the Bible, trying to find the story of everlasting life, but do not look through the glass but darkly. And looking through the glass darkly, they cannot see the living word of God and, 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 and they cannot find these uh, mysterious uh, words that are written in the book and their messages to the people. Now, in Isaiah 60, we have such a case. <clears throat> and let's start with verse 7. And all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebuath shall minister. The rams of Nebuath shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. And I will glorify the house of my glory. I will glorify the house of my glory. Now people will say, <coughs> this is talking about the house that was built by Solomon or built by the instructions of David and his furnishing, furnishings. But what they don't understand is the scripture is very clear in clarifying that the things that people were worshiping or that were using to worship in were only patterns of the things in the heavenly and that there was no true comparison as to the spirituality extent of the physical patterns to the actual heavenly patterns. And so the real message wasn't the physical pattern. The real message was the spiritual reality. And that's what we have here. I will glorify the house of my glory. This house is a house of glory. It's not a house made out of stone. It's not a house made out of wood. It's a house of glory. This is talking about a place that the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God abides. And that's what we, we precisely had on the Father's house planet. The presence of God. The Shekinah glory of God. The house. The Bible says in Corinthians, if this house, this body, were dissolved, we would have a house eternal in the heavens, not built with hands. We see then that the physical, even the flesh body, is represented of the inter-spiritual body. This does not mean that you are totally eradicated away from the physical example. But it shows us that as we move into, into realms of sanctification and clarification 
of spiritual levels that there are still within the 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 aspects of of the physiological places where you can reach a higher degree of spirituality than other places in the universe. The Father's house was such a place. It was the first estate, and the angels left it and followed Lucifer. I hope that you will listen to this message and you will believe it. It will get far out and it will get strange. My wife said to me this morning, Oh, Jerry, are you going to preach all these things? And I said, Well, as much as I can get on. She says, You know, that's you. She says, You always do that. You know, you, you get into these very far out extreme teachings that some people just can't handle. They just can't quite swallow it. And you do it knowing that there is always poss the possibility that some of these people might not follow you any longer. Well, I, I know that. I know that when Jesus stood up and said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have any part in the kingdom of God. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what the outcome would be. But that's what he wanted to find out. And those were the people. He wanted to stick with them through the crucifixion, through the Garden of Gethsemane, through the toils, through the trials, to make it to the other side. And so this is a message to you who will stick with us, who will understand and believe this message in this incredulous revelation. So who are these no, let's read this again. I will glory the I will glorify the house of my glory. I glorify the the Father's house. <laughs> and now this really signs it in. Who are these that fly as clouds? Who are these that fly as a cloud and as doves to their windows? These are the Arturians it's talking about. This scripture is just put right in here. And it's just, it's just such a beautiful thing how that God has, has revealed in his scripture this very positive, powerful word about the Arturians. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as doves in their window, to their windows? You know, people say to me, well, there's this these stories by these certain ministers or certain uh, New Age movements or uh, certain individuals uh, with their own uh, mental and um, ideology concepts. And, uh, and then there's these people that are uh, trying to scientifically evaluate flying saucers and unidentified flying objects. And they sound very believable. Well, let me explain something to you. When you have been to the real place and you have been involved 
with the real chariots of fire. And you have seen them, not just one here or one there, but you have seen them by fleets. And you know things of a personal dynamic. Then when all these people talk about what they think is the story of the UFOs and the flying saucers, and even some that are talking about Artura, and they say the different things that some of them say, you don't have to be quizzing about it or questionable about it. You know 100% whether or not those people know what they're talking about or not because you have an actual experience, both physical and spiritual. And you know when someone's talking about a UFO being a certain thing or not being a certain thing. You know if, if what they are saying has any reckoning or not. So I don't have to think twice about these stories that are out there because I know instantly when someone's got the inside on something or not. And I will tell you right now, it's a skinny, 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 almost invisible line of any persons out there who really, really know the actualities and the realities of the manifest revelation of truth regarding these things of the UFOs and regarding the Father's house. Hang in there. Wow. And then let's turn to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64. And this is um, another beautiful scripture. Oh, that thou wouldest rent the heavens, verse 1, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth the fire, the fire causes the water, as when the melting fire burneth, and the fire causes the waters to boil. Wow. Verse 4. For since the beginning of the world men have not heard, nor perceived by ear, neither hath I seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. This is in the days of Isaiah the prophet. Now from Isaiah going backwards all the way to Adam was a long span of time. And a lot of people lived. And going back to the beginning of time, the beginning of the world, humans, men, humans, humans specifically, including both male and female, have not heard nor perceived <coughs> by the ear, neither hath I seen, <coughs> excuse me, neither has I seen, O God, besides thee, what he has prepared for him that waiteth for him. Has not seen this. Has not seen this. That's a testimony. 
saying, there's a whole world out there. But they haven't seen this revelation. They haven't seen it. They haven't heard it. They haven't tasted of it. They haven't felt it. They haven't even begun to, to be cognizant of the things that have been prepared for those that will follow the word of God. And Jesus in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John said, I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. Doesn't that sound like a particular place? I go away. I go away to prepare a place for you. No one has seen what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. They that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Oh, it's so important to wait upon God. In the manifest revelation, when I was first beginning to receive the holy manifest, things that Gabriel had planted in my mind and I could not remember at first, and then began to come back into my brain. It was written, That which you see is that which is not. And that which you, that which you do not see is that which is. There is an, a reverse of what most people think is the true reality. They are not in the right parallel plane. But they think that they are. They believe that they found the niche of truth, the nugget of reality, the mother load of knowledge. But actual, actually, no. They still are looking through a glass darkly. Even in the days of Paul, he said, for now, we look through a glass darkly. He put himself into that. We know in part. There's only a part of the truth. If you only have part of the knowledge of how to build an engine, that will never get you a running vehicle with just part. You've got to have the whole story. If you have only part of what the Word of God is, that will not get you to the, to the truth in its fullest sense of understanding who the Lord your God is until you are past the part that is a part and you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay. Thou art the potter, and we are the works of your hands. Be not wroth or very sore, O Lord. Neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee. We are all thy people. We are all thy people. What a beautifully spoken thing. Praise the name of God. Chapter 65, the next chapter, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. 
the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Sometimes when it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, you know, um, people don't understand that the word earth is a term used in the book of Genesis to describe soil, land, territory. And it doesn't always mean the noun, the earth as a, a world. And when we begin to understand that if the former does not ever come into mind, that is a major thing in the mind. That is a major thing in the senses. That is a major thing in the eyes. So there's a story entwined there that is much deeper, much more profound than is begotten just by slurring over these incredible, beautiful passages. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Praise God. And so, I just think it is so absolutely important that you get this message I am ministering to you today because it is going to take you a step beyond yourself. In 2 Corinthians 8.1, we'll come back to Isaiah. But let's just, let's hit this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8.1. This is quite beautiful. Brethren, <clears throat> we do you, you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Wow. Wow. We need to know about this grace of God. I want you to look and see how this is written in verse... 2 and 3. How that in a great trial of affliction of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. There are some riches of liberality that God wants to give you in this vision, in this revelation of the Father's house. Verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. There is a place in God that connects to the power that you have, to the virtue you have, the energy that you have, the mentality that you have, the spirituality that you have. And with all your might as you strain, there is a boundary to that point of power where it seems to come into a field of limits. But yet, there is a very provocative and incredulous, incredulous offering which speaks of going beyond your power. 
as it being an inherent right of liberality that can be given to you by the Holy Spirit. And that's where we want to take you today into that spirit of spiritual liberality to believe and be washed and regenerated, to believe and be healed, to believe and be made whole of seeing. So that part in you which is blind is healed. That part in you which is deaf is healed. That part in you which restricts, restricts your, your senses is healed. And that part which is a part of limitation is done away with. And the whole seeing and the whole hearing becomes a part of your being able to go beyond your own power. Praise be the name of the living God. Let's go back to um, Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Now some of you people, that you're, you're caught up in your religion, you're caught up in your ideologies, in your own spiritual intuitiveness that you believe is your divine watch and your divine revelation. Don't ever forget the scripture and the power of the scripture that everything on this earth is only footstool. Jesus showed that by ministering foot washings. This is footstool mentality, footstool spirituality, footstool revelation, footstool Holy Spirit innovation. You really want to get into God, you've got to get into the throne ministries. That's why we entitle our messages as emanating, as rivers of living waters out from our innermost being and being involved in those rivers of living waters that flow by the thrones of God, the thrones that God has even given us to have, in which we are kings and priests unto God. And then in the greater, deeper understanding, going beyond the sixtyfold, Going into the hundredfold, we are kings and queens given unto God. Blessed be the name of God. Because we fulfill Galatians in Jesus Christ, there is neither male nor is there female. You cannot take and take a part and accentuate that part so that it overshadows and it it eliminates the other part. Because to do so is to take away the words of God, the teachings of God, the ministry of God, the magnitude of God. So in Christ there's not just male. There's not just female. In Christ there's the all of the all. Blessed be the name of God. 
Blessed be the name of Jesus. That's the difference between 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Let's go on now. We're in Isaiah 66. Praise be to God. Now there's a scripture here, and that's really neat, and let's read it. Verse 15 of chapter 66. For behold, the Lord will come with fire, and with his chariots like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. And here we have Enoch's Artursians. These are the chariots of fire. And this is speaking of the day when Lucifer gets out of his, his, uh, his prison, so to speak, and when he brings the, the, the gogs and the magogs and, and any of the um, mantis people that he has left against the holy city, the holy Jerusalem. And this is when the fire comes down out of heaven. The armies of God, the armies of the Artursians are gathered up above, above the skies, above even the atmospheres. And they come down, just like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, <coughs> to destroy evil, to destroy those entities who have decided to replace God's plan. And here we have scriptures about the Artricians. Chariots like a whirlwind. Wow. Just the story of the Artricians, ladies and gentlemen, is all through the Bible. All through the Bible. Let's go back a little ways to Isaiah 61.5. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Someone says, I, I didn't know that it said anything in the Bible about aliens. Well, you just didn't know the whole Bible, did you? You only knew a part of it. The Bible talks about aliens, talks about strangers. These, these aliens and strangers are actually Artursians. And they've been down here before. They've, they've no doubt helped build the pyramids. They no doubt have helped build some of these incredulous uh, uh, things found in Africa, found in South America, found in other parts of the world. That's part of their, their ministry. They keep track of very many important things. Are there other aliens out there on other worlds? Why, well, I, I, there certainly is. And that's why we have the cherubims and the seraphims and their sentries who guard the planet Earth and who guard uh, huge areas in this galaxy to make sure that any of those very advanced aliens do not come and invade Earth and destroy the planet and keep, use it for their own, own self. 
So when we look out there and we see these, these what we call, people call UFOs that we call ziths, these people do not understand the difference of the seraphim, the cherubim, and the artersians. And that these are friendly, friendly entities. That's why, although this has been happening for generations of time, these visitations to earth, they have been friendly visitations. Now we know there's some people that have different opinions than that. But like I said, when you know that you know, that you know that you know, because you've been there, then when these people say those things, you just let it go through one ear and then the other. Because you know that they do not know what they are talking about. Praise be the name of God. Praise be the name of God. Wow. So, this is a, these are beautiful scriptures. And um, they encapsulate some awesome, awesome things. And if we really had time to totally open up these scriptures, uh, you know, it would take a lot of broadcast to finish it. And I don't have uh, the time to do that. I want to sort of finish this broadcast up today. And we may go over a little bit because uh, there are some things I definitely want to get into and I want you to hear. So I have to keep moving. But um, uh, let's go to... Uh, uh, let's go to um, Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. And uh, this is this is all very very important. So let's uh, let's just really be open to appreciate what God is revealing, what God is saying, because. Uh, God, this particular this particular scripture here in 44, uh, I wish I had the time today to just really take it from the beginning and go right through it, uh, but I don't. But we'll skip to verse 7. And who, as I shall call, and shall declare it, and set in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming, and shall come, let them show unto them, the ancient people, these go back to Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Can't get much more ancient than that. When we're talking about soul people, we're not talking about uh, the primitives that did not have souls, did not have spirit souls, they had body souls. We're talking about an ancient people, and we're talking about the, um, the sons of Enoch, who we've given you scripture to show you how that Jesus taught that there was another rapture. There was another uh, catching up or carrying away. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two will be in a bed, one taken, the other left. And then the angels will come and gather from all the four corners of the earth. Jesus said, that's how it was in the days of Noah. It happened before. That's the word of God. And that happening before was 
the cherubims who came down with their their ships like a whirlwind, like a fire, chariots of fire, like they took up Elijah, like the chariots of fire. And the horses represented the engines. And they took those people to the Arturia, the Father's house. And now there is a whole planet with many Arturians there, which are the offspring of Enoch. And one day he's coming back, it says in Jude, with tens of thousands of his people. Wow. And how incredible then <clears throat> is this scripture. And who as I shall call and shall declare it. Who's going to declare this? There's a lot of people not declaring it, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of ministry not declaring it. There's a lot of people that claim that they know the whole story of Jesus Christ, but they're not declaring the word. They're only declaring a part of the word. They haven't even begun to come into the marvelous things to hear or to see the things that God has prepared. Praise the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Go to... Um, Isaiah 55. We've got to get moving here. So much to cover. Just getting started. Fifty-five, verse uh, 5. Behold, thou shalt call a nation thou knowest not. And nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. When it says nations, call a nation, thou knowest not, is speaking of, it didn't mean God didn't know anything about him. It meant that this is something that happened that was not actually a part of the original plan. It wasn't God's intent from the beginning to bring a world flood to destroy uh, the, the people that were destroyed and only leave eight people that were saved by water. And then save the other group, which were the offspring of Enoch, by air. That wasn't the original plan. That wasn't known. And that's what it's referring to. And he says, and this is awesome. This is just awesome. And uh, let me hit it again here in uh, chapter 55. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. There's something beautiful there about the Father's house. There's something beautiful there. And then it talks in the 13th verse, And instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of, the instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You know, one of the things that I saw when I was at the Father's house was these incredible uh, fields of, of myrtle trees. And, 
And it says they're an everlasting sign. The myrtle trees actually are a sign indicative of the story of the Artusians. And, and there's quite a story to tell about their wood and how that when you open their wood, uh, there's all these sort of picturesque designs that, that you see uh, uh, when, you, when you cut and, and, and plane or when you open up, uh, take the bark off and start looking at the wood. Very, very unusual. Very significant. And, and many times people will look at that and they'll feel like there's messages there. And there are. And, and it, shall be for us, uh, it shall be to the Lord for a name. Not to the devil, not to the enemy, but to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. How many people can say they've witnessed that sign? <clears throat> How many people can say that? <clears throat> Verse 7, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings or sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my altar shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Here's the earthly pattern of the spiritual. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Turn to Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33, 17. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. And you remember the story I ministered to you a while back about this parable that Jesus gives in which there is this land that is very far away. And the owner goes to the earth and he plants a vineyard. And he has his servants trying to minister there to these people that are working the vineyard. They eventually kick these people out or kill them. Finally, he sends his son and they kill him too. And, and the Bible there says that he went, this owner, this Lord, went, went away to a faraway land. It's talking about the Father's house. It's talking about Artura. It's all here. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. There's a place, ladies and gentlemen, where God is bringing the people to today to see things that has never been seen before, to hear things that has never been heard before, to open the glories and to see the real beauty of, of, of the truth, of the revelation of God. And to behold the land. God is wanting you to behold the land that is very far off. So Jesus said, in my Father's house, this is, I, this is the St. John chapter 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I'm telling you this because you are supposed to know it. I'm telling you about the Father's house and this revelation because I want you to know about it. I want you to know it's real. I want you to know it is true. There's many mansions there. Don't miss out on those. The song that Janet played today, In my Father's house are men, knee mansions. If it were not true, I would 
have told you so. And and the other songs, the 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 mansion. I've got a mansion. And you know, all those all fly away, and all those beautiful songs. You know, the good old gospel ship. Oh, it's they were so wonderful. They they struck the chimes of times in my heart because I understood the feeling, the message. I understood how indicative, how sublimed, how precious, how beautiful to see the king in his beauty and to behold the land that is very far off. Oh, praise be the name of God. Praise be the name of God. Turn with me to Psalms 68. I've got to move. It's got to keep going here, folks. Go, go backwards away. 68. I've, I've, I've ministered on this one quite a few times, but it is, it is so succinct. It is so unique of perhaps all the scriptures that speak about the Arturians. Verse 4 of 68th Psalms. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens. You can extol God for many things. You can bring God into the aspect of Jesus Christ <clears throat> as he ministered to the disciples. That's one kind of extolling. You can bring uh, the, the revelation and the praise and the honor and the reverence to God in Christ that, that hung on the cross, that gave himself for humanity. And that's beautiful and that's important. You can give him credit for an extolling for the resurrection coming out of the out of the of the tomb. But you just can't leave Jesus standing out there in the tomb with no place to lay his head. The foxes have holes, the birds have nests. But I have no place to lay my head here on this earth. This, Jesus said, is not my home. If this were my home, then my disciples would, would, would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. That's scripture. That's Bible. That's the word of God. This is not my home. I go away to prepare a place for you. 14th chapter of John. That where I am, you may be also. 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 That's God's will. That's God's will. That's God's plan. That's God's love. It's God's love. It's God's will. Amen. And here it says, verse 11, Psalm 68, The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those that published it. <clears throat> One translation of this that's very good calls this company Troops of Angels. And then 
let's look at verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. If you look up that word angel in the Strong's Concordance, you will find a term for it called, called the, the Shinons. It looks more like Shinons, S-H-I-N-O-N-S. But we, in a pronunciation, display, call it the Shinons. And there is no other use of that word about, translated from angels in the Bible. It is the only place. And that is talking about the Artursians. These Shinons are the Artursians. The Bible says in the 12th chapter of Daniel, you shall shine as the stars forever. Shine on, brothers. Shine on, sisters. The Shinons are the Artursian brethren. They are the Artursian brethren. They are the house of God, the home of the firstborn. Blessed be the name, as it describes in the book of Hebrews. And the Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Thousands of angels, thousands of chariots. And they are hovering over Mount Sinai. Wow. Turn to Psalms 45, 6-7. We'll, we'll move here just a little bit to throw in a scripture about Mary Magdalene. Now take a note if your Bible is such that it shows it. This is the point at which most of the writings of David is, is passed and is a chief musician upon Shushananim of the sons of Korah. And it's a song of loves. And it speaks about, verse 2, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Jan and I both have had an experience, and we know other persons that have too, of being able to witness these Artursians. And they are fairer than the human people are. And they are called the wonderful people, the beautiful people. They're beautiful people, these Artursians, these sons of Enoch. They're beautiful people. And so this is talking about them. Now let's go on down in the verse. Verse 6, chapter 45 of Psalms. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The sepulture of thy kingdom is a right sepulture. Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among the honorable women. Now, you have to understand that many, many times when it's saying daughters in these particular references, 
It's actually talking about the daughters of Jerusalem. And there's many other scriptures to show that. I don't have time right now. But these daughters of Jerusalem, you know, were among the honorable women, women upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Now, let's get it. Verse 6. Thy throne, O God, is, is forever and ever. The sepulcher of thy kingdom is a right sepulcher. Thou lovest righteousness. Thou hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. It is talking about no one else. It's not talking about Solomon. It's not talking about David. Because they don't fit that, they don't fit that bill. They don't fit that record. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And neither Solomon or David had just one queen. They were loaded with these queenettes. And so what is it saying here? It is saying, and it's so beautiful, among the honorable women upon thy right hand did stand the queen in the gold of Ophir. It is saying that this Son of God, this Jesus in his throne kingdom of the Father's house, has a queen, an actual queen. And she's dressed in the finest gold that is known in the world at that time, and probably is still that truth today. It was such a, had a, such a purity to it. And she is called the queen in the gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear, Forget also thy own people and thy father's house. What is it saying here? All of, the, of your earthly family relationship that you had while you were on earth. That was just part of your ministry. You were there as a prodigy. Those people that are, were on earth that were your, your relatives, that were you, your father and mother on earth, you know, those, those were just... Those were just persons used to further your ministry, but they are not your Artesian connection. They are not the Father's house reality. They belong to the footstool world. This is the throne world. And he said, so, so he says, you know, forget thine own people and thy Father's house so then, so shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And then finally, to really prove who this is, in verse 17, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations, therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. There was only two persons that this ever happened to on earth. One was Mary, that was the mother of Jesus, and she is not the queen that he is going to marry and that he has married and desires. And the other was Mary Magdalene, who set up and planned the whole thing and had the knowledge of getting this expensive ointment to have put on Jesus' feet and on him for his burial. And the one that, that had this proxy, the one that did this, was none other than Mary Magdalene.
And it connects her right here in this chapter, in this chapter in the book of Psalms, with being the queen, the wife, the king and the queen, the wife of Jesus Christ the Lord. And that her name will be remembered in all generations. Sad and unfortunate that a pope puts such blasphemy and such sinfulness of prostitution on her that for years and years and years people looked down at her as some filthy person. Finally, in recent times, the Catholic Church had to override a pope and say he made a mistake. He made a mistake when he made that decision about Mary Magdalene. And now in the Catholic Church, there are statutes and mem uh, various memorandums uh, that they are making uh, to Mary Magdalene. Even some of the churches claiming to have her body, which is not true either. Wow. One other verse here that I want to read. I've got to get some other stuff here. Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah 63, 16. We'll start with verse 15. Look down from heaven and behold from habitations of thy holiness and of the glory. Where is thy zeal and thy strength and the sounding of the bowels and the mercies toward me? Are they restrained? Doubtless. Doubtless. There's no question about it. This isn't an argument. This isn't a decision. This isn't some kind of label that is questionable. This is a factuality. Doubtless. Thou art our Father, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thou art our Father, though Abraham be ignorant of us. Whoa. Whoever this group is does not know anything about Abraham. Abraham is not connected. It's, part, it's a different covenant. Whoa. And Israel acknowledges us not. It's not part of the Jewish group of tribes, of the 12 tribes of the Jewish group. It's different from the Jewish tribes. It's different from all of the, the claims of Abrahamic uh, seed and Abrahamic uh, domination uh, in even nations of the Gentiles. It's different. Wow. Wow. Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer, and thy name is everlasting. Ladies and gentlemen, this is talking about the Father's house. Thou art the Father. This is talking about the Arturians, who are the sons of Enoch, who were raptured just before the flood and taken to the Father's house. It's Bible. It's in the Word of God. Have I covered all the Scriptures? Oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't cover it in one or two or three or four or five teachings on the, on the broadcast. I couldn't really cover everything, even in a book. It's vast. It's literalized and spiritualized throughout the Bible. Blessed be the name of God. People say, but 
I don't understand. Einstein showed that you can't travel faster than the speed of light. How then do these people get back and forth? Isn't, isn't uh, this location of the Father's house, which you claim is, is, is in the Little Dipper, isn't that something like 460 or 80 million light years away? Or 460, 480 uh, light years away? Yes. Somebody say, well, I mean, you couldn't get there in many, many multiple lifetimes. Well, that's if you're traveling at the speed of light. But you see, what the scientists have not yet come to understand, that time and distance are false eros. They are not the real vibration. They are not the real tone. They are not the real revelation. They're false eros. They sound like they have some kind of reality, but they don't. That's why the Bible can say, and time shall be no more. So that something that will be no more was only a false eto to begin with. It was temporal. It was not the reality of eternal, of eternalness. And distance is the same thing. The Bible tells us that there is no place that you can look. There is no place that you can go. There's no place that you can touch down that God is not. That if you reach to the highest heaven, God is there. If you go to the lowest hell, God is there. There is no place. So then distance in God does not exist because God is everywhere. So as you begin to get into the revelation of this thing, of God. Time and distance has no, re no relative aspect. And if you remove space from the scenario so that the space that exists from here to the Father's house is removed, then the Father's house is just right next door to the planet Earth and vice versa. And so that is where photo translation comes in. So when God revealed to me <coughs> what Gabriel spoke to me and said, when the electrovibatic waves of the soundtron are electrosynchronized to the external and internal particles of fire, which are atoms, a circuit is produced, which the angels travel faster than the speed of light. We begin to understand with that, this photo translation, in which, and I can't reveal all of this right now, but it's part of the revelation of dark energy and dark matter. Did you know that if you take dark energy and dark matter, matter of which the universe is made up, that all of the rest of the visible universe that you see as stars, that you see as asteroids, that you see as energies, only amount to 5% of the universe. The 95% is dark energy and dark matter, which the Bible describes this as the realm where God is moving, 
And it's, it's and I've, I've ministered on it. I can't take the time to preach that again because I'm going to miss some important things. I do. But when you get into the connection of this dark energy and you are able to connect these certain things which I cannot reveal right at this moment even though I know them, then in this photo translation, you are photo translated as you are beamed or as you are connected with that point of contact that you want to move to. And it's almost like an instantaneous shuttle. You just are instantly photo-translated from one point to another. And part of that photo-translation is having the capability of putting into a photo-translation the exact description and the detail of that place that you are photo-translating to. And once you have perfected the description and the dimension of that place, and you put that into the energy aspects of every part and bit of the energy that you are and the energy of everything that you are using and is part of your, your mission, it instantly is transported phototranslation-wise to that point wherever it is. And time is no factor. And distance is no factor. Blessed be the name of God. O my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? <laughs> it, it, it means something very important, ladies and gentlemen. It means that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you were talking about the first domain, the heaven of heavens, that's the place where flesh and blood cannot inherit. That is such a pure energy. And even the smallest speck of that energy is so powerful and so terrific that if it would be transmitted into the physical realm, it would immediately eradicate that physical realm because of its pure uh, spiritual energy. So you can't have the will of God to be done on earth as it is done in the first domain, the heaven of heavens. But when you understand that this heaven that it's talking about is very similar as the description I've been telling you as the heaven in the first book of Genesis, which calls the, the heaven the firmament. And this firmament is part of an atmosphere, which is part of a planet. And this same thing refers here when it talks about you know, my Father which art in heaven, this, in this firmament, in this atmosphere, in this environment that is a part of the planet which is the Father's house. And there now you can have a compliance. Thy will be done on earth as it is done in the Father's house. The will be done on this earth as it is done 
in Arturia. Well, I can see that I'm not going to get into this other part here. I've just run out of time. How I so wanted to get into it. I will have to continue it next week. I'll have to continue it next week. Because we just cannot leave it unsaid. I'm going to reveal to you next week about the Father's house, about the planet called Artura. I'm going to describe the people there. I'm going to describe the geology there and the architectural. I'm going to describe how they live and what they do. You will hear something that I have not revealed to any other living person except my wife. And that's coming up next week. In my father's house are men, me mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. I go away to prepare for you a place that where I am, you may be also. Why did you say that, Jesus? Why? And Jesus would answer and he would say, because I love you. I love you. And wherever I am, I want you to be with me. I want to comfort you. I want to show you my kingdom. In my Father's house I'm in me mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. We love you. I want you to get on to the, to the blogs. I want you to get on there and, and read this number two, this, this incredible Son of Man, Son of God. You've got to read that. It's incredible. I want you to also get on to, to the prophecy section of the Manifest Ministry. And they, we have put a, a copy with a little bit of an update of what we mailed out uh, that has to do with, with survival, uh, Crusade number three. And you will want to read that. You will not want to miss it. You'll want to read that. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, right now is a, a complicated time for us while we're trying to uh, get all these things published. I want to thank you people who have given uh, regular payments. God bless you so much. God bless you so very much. I want to thank you people that have given some some very decent offerings. God bless you so much. God heal you and keep you. And any of you other people that are out there that you believe this word, that you, you really believe it, then if you can help us, if you can, I rarely, I hate to have to ask this, but this is the time right now. This is when we're really trying to get this word out. So what you can do would be blessed. And God bless you. And God reach out and heal and touch you. In Jesus' name, amen.